Welcome to Talking Research. I am Asmita and this is a podcast that features in-depth interviews with prominent academics and researchers who study sexual violence across its different manifestations. This conversation features an in-depth discussion of sexual violence, both in specific cases and more generally. If this is something that you find disturbing, please feel free to stop listening at any point. In this conversation, I'm joined by Stephen Burrell. Stephen is a postdoctoral fellow at the University of Durham and his work focuses on engaging men and boys in preventing male violence against women. Now, extremely de- relevant and I really enjoyed this conversation, so I'm really excited to share it. But the audio quality might be a little less than perfect towards the end, so please bear with me. I'm still trying to improve my sound mixing skills. And another thing that might come up in this conversation or that came up in this conversation that might be a bit jargony is, well, one thing is Gillette ads. G- the Gillette ad came out a couple of years ago. It was taken out by the shaving, razor shaving brand Gillette and they focused on men's responsibility in preventing uh, violence against women. So the role that men play in stepping up in everyday incidents and I don't know if that's the best way of describing that but the important thing about that ad in this conversation's context is that it received a lot of backlash for positioning men that way in sort of being too politically correct I don't even know but it received a lot of backlash Um, and the second thing is the second wave of feminism so I'm sorry again if I'm explaining it to you and you have a lot of knowledge and understanding which I imagine is far greater than mine of the different waves of feminism but I'll briefly go over it so The Western feminism is characterized by three different waves uh, in terms of time periods. So the first wave is the 1920s suffragettes movement in the UK where British women had to go through a long, relentless campaign to get the right to vote. They had to fight for it and that's known as the suffragette movement and that's also known as the first wave of feminism. The second wave developed in the 1960s, 1970s, 1980s. I don't know the exact time boundaries of these waves, but essentially that time period where, again, women in Western countries, you know, led massive campaigns against uh, sexual violence and gender-based violence and different forms of violence against women. And the third wave is something that came, I I imagine, around the 1990s where same concerns, essentially same issues, but the focus was also on making the feminist movement more inclusive to the concerns of women from ethnic minorities and women of different ages and disabilities and uh, different social backgrounds, so making it more intersectional. And some some say that we are in the fourth wave of feminism now where you know the focus is on ecofeminism and you know issues of gender and such so yeah that's a brief brief primer on the different waves of feminism what do you think of that let me know if i'm flawed in describing it that way but the second wave of feminism came up in this conversation with stephen about engaging men in 
ending male violence against women so without further ado let's dive in Hello Steven how are you today thank you for joining me in this conversation how are you Hi yes I'm fine thank you how are you Good yeah just uh, I mean like we were discussing before we started recording just a really strange time isn't it uh, Yes yes Yeah but definitely it's a bit surreal <laughs> Yeah yeah just uh, like anything I've ever imagined or witnessed Yeah Yeah, but as we said it's a great it's an important time to be continuing doing things like podcasts so <laughs> yes <laughs> yes so thanks for giving me time and uh, to start tell us about yourself and uh, yeah tell us about uh, in, would you introduce yourself in a way that you'd like to be introduced yeah sure yes um yeah so my name's Stephen Burrell um I'm a researcher uh, currently working at Durham University uh in the UK where I'm doing a, a postdoctoral fellowship at the moment um and so my research is all about kind of men masculinities and violence um and I suppose more specifically um engaging men and boys in trying to prevent violence and abuse um from happening in the first place in society and I suppose more broadly trying to involve men in efforts to to build gender equality in society as well so yeah Wow, amazing. I'm I'm such a big fan of that. <laughs> I mean, uh when I when I came across your work, I was like, wow, we need to we need to have this conversation. We need to find out more about your work. So, how did you get into doing this research? Yeah. Um yeah, so I suppose it's I mean, it's quite a long story, so I'll try to keep it brief. <laughs> um It can be long. You can be as long as you want. <laughs> okay. Uh yeah, so I suppose I mean, first of all, I guess um like probably started from when i was uh, at college um at like a sixth form college here in the uk um mm-hmm. and i started i started studying sociology at that point um and other kind of social sciences as well and uh, i suppose at that point i started learning more about um kind of feminist ideas and i suppose other kind of critical theories um and perspectives on society and i suppose around that time as well you know i was getting more kind of politically kind of uh motivated and interested in in kind of various kind of aspects of politics and getting quite you know interested in uh activism as well I suppose um and um yeah so I think at that point uh, kind of feminist ideas in particular just had a huge impact on me really and I suppose ever since then you know that's just continued to be the case and um uh and I suppose I yeah I suppose I've been kind of trying to think you know as a result of that what can I do um as a man uh you know having learned everything i've learned and continue to learn from kind of different feminist uh theories in terms of trying to help support kind of efforts to create feminist social change i suppose um and in that respect it seemed like kind of contributing trying to contribute towards efforts to end men's violence seemed like kind of uh perhaps the most obvious or most important way to try and do that um and so so yeah kind of getting involved in in research and education and activism in that area was something i I wanted to do for quite a while I guess. Mm. Uh and I suppose another thing to highlight as well is of course you know that this didn't I don't mean this is something which happened by accident. Um you know I was very I'm someone who's been very lucky to grow up in you know a very kind of supportive quite kind of privileged uh environment like in my life. Um and so for example you know I think my family was quite kind of feminist in some ways not in an explicit way but in perhaps a more implicit way. So for example like me and my brother probably weren't put under uh too many expectations in terms of conforming certain ideas of masculinity within that kind of family environment and i th- i'm sure right. that probably played a really positive role i suppose in in um in encouraging me to to be able i suppose to think more critically mm. about about those things or i suppose to be in an easier position to be able to do that wow yeah and i mean especially at that age you're saying when you were about 16 17 i mean yeah. that's 
usually a period of time where i don't know um that lad culture or mm-hmm. that uh that that behavior really manifests mm-hmm. isn't it so so oh. you seem to have gone in the opposite <laughs> opposite direction which is really cool but uh mm-hmm. in your work you've discussed that there's been a long history of men supporting struggles for women's rights in the uk so mm. tell us more about that i didn't know about that actually I, i i i had no idea so tell us about that yeah yeah well i mean i think it is an important point to make because i suppose um you know yeah it's important to remember that when we do see kind of men uh, getting involved in this work today it isn't necessarily anything anything new because actually like if you do look back in history and you look back at um you know all the different kind of movements for women's liberation and um for women's rights there does appear to have usually been kind of some men trying to act in support of those and of course you know it's important to emphasize it is usually a very small you know minority of men definitely not all men of course but but yeah like yeah. so yeah yeah so i mean for example if you look at you know the suffragette movement here in the uk you know there were some men who were kind of trying to act in support of them uh, so there were groups like um, the men's league for women's suffrage and the men's political union for women's enfranchisement there were like men in politics um you know like some of the male mps were were trying to do what they could to support the suffragette movement uh, some men even got involved in some of the kind of militant activities um i mean yeah of course like it's important to emphasize i think you know the majority of men probably weren't taking those kind of stances at all and were you know if anything i suppose behaving in opposite ways and trying to resist um those movements for change but but yeah there has been there has been uh, some some men trying to support those struggles as well um and so i guess you know if we think more recently as well like um in terms of i suppose i think this idea of kind of pro feminism so you know the idea of men um supporting the feminist movement really developed i think in response to like the second wave feminist movement mm-hmm. so for example in the uk um like we saw things like a magazine called Achilles heel um which was developed in that time and which ran for a few decades and that was kind of about you know men thinking critically about things like masculinity and patriarchy and and the role they can play in, in challenging some of those things um and also things like you know men trying to organize things like uh, their own versions of consciousness raising group um as well um and i suppose yeah just also it's, i think you know it's important to highlight that there are now um but this is potentially i suppose an area where there is growing interest and an effort being made um so you know in the uk today there are kind of groups of men who are and, and across the globe as well of course this is certainly not something just happening in the uk it's happening in lots of different countries yeah. um where you've got like you know groups of men who are involved in pro feminist politics or kind of efforts to end violence against women in one way or another um and so that i suppose the most obvious way in which that might be done is is to by trying to you know work with other groups of men and boys to try and create change um so you know organizations like uh, people might have heard of like the good lad initiative um yes. here in the UK or or the white ribbon campaign which is you know an international kind of movement um and then things like the men engage alliance as well which is a kind of global um network so um so yeah there's a whole range of different um things which have been going on i suppose but and as i say you know the, at this stage um you know it is still small groups of men but potentially it is something which is kind of growing so uh, hopefully that will continue yeah i mean uh, we need that collaboration we need men to be involved in this fight as well but we've seen a backlash mm. recently with you know everything with this movement becoming more global and you know with uh, with the me too movement for mm. example or even before that mm. different campaigns different campaigns that are aiming to mainstream feminism we also see this this backlash from the from the right and i mean yeah. i can think of like right wing 
pundits and speakers mm. and motivational speakers or like you yeah. know the backlash to the Gillette ad for example yeah. Yeah. So things like that or like the the fee, the doc, doctor who the first female yeah. doctor and I've mm-hmm. saw some of the people I knew saying things like uh, oh you know men need a role model and <laughs> doctor who was a positive role model and now that won't happen so you know that backlash is very much been uh there as well yes naturally so so, mm. so how do we engage men better in this fight against men's violence violence against women yeah yeah well that's a really good question i suppose that's um something which i'm you know through my research continuously trying to find an answer to and i, I don't think there are like any kind of you know it's not just an easy answer to question of course because as you say um we've got a lot of men kind of um reacting in quite negative ways to feminist ideas and um and um, perhaps that you know the more we the more that feminist ideas are kind of um, having an impact on society maybe sometimes that that kind of backlash increases as well um but but nevertheless you know i think um that, that as i say there is some good work being done in this area and there's obviously a lot of scope for, for more of that work to be done uh, i mean i suppose the first thing i would say is that actually you know i think governments have a real responsibility to be to be doing more in this area in terms of for example you know at schools getting children and young people to um to to have education around issues like sex and relationships and and what a healthy relationship looks like um, and trying to counter things like domestic abuse and sexual violence in those contexts uh, and also also I suppose encouraging children and young people to think critically about things like gender norms and gender inequality um, from a young age so I think you know we can't let governments off the hook here I think they have a big part to play and I suppose yeah our formal institutions as well um, but I suppose um, and then I, I think for me I suppose connected to that one of the key things really for like work to be effective in this area and I think you know a lot of research shows this is that it's really crucial to kind of um, encourage men to to kind of think about like how they might be um, the kind of pressures uh, and expectations they may face in terms of having to conform to certain sets of ideas uh, and norms around masculinity and encouraging kind of critical thinking about that so I think you know whatever specific issue you might be focusing on whether it's violence or or another kind of um, issue related to gender inequality I think starting off the conversation from masculinity if you are talking to men and boys is a really important and potentially you know it's quite a helpful way in because I think a lot of men and boys can relate to that idea that okay yeah I, I think there are some there is a certain set of expectations which I am kind of um which I, I face in my life around what it means to be a man which I'm, I'm kind of supposed to conform to and I suppose then once you once you have got a critical conversation going around that, then you can link that to both, you know, men's own personal experiences, because, of course, we all have experiences of these things personally. And I suppose that's really important as well is, you know, this isn't just an abstract discussion. This is something which is relevant to all of our lives. And I think to get men and boys involved, we need to we need to show them why it's um, why it is a pretty personal issue for all of us. But then, of course, also then connecting that to to the wider social context in terms of patriarchy. Um, and the, the, the social structures which which make up that that system and how they shape all of our lives as well and I suppose how we in turn you know help to help to reproduce those those structures um, and so I suppose in that way you know for me I think it's it's really important to try and find some kind of balance where possible between you know on the one hand getting kind of positive message out there to men and boys and trying to appeal to them to you know get them involved in these conversations but at the same time to make sure that you know actually these um, we're not afraid to kind of challenge men and boys where necessary um, to think more critically about society and about their own position within that and how they may benefit in some ways from um, from from the you know gender inequality, for example, and, and what are the ways in which they could actually help to create change, I suppose. Um, yeah, and so I think you know for me, um, one 
you know, one thing which I think is really valuable in that respect is to reflect on ideas around complicity, for example. Um, so, you know, I think sometimes it's quite easy to think about, um, uh, to kind of, you know, separate men out and think, okay, well, who, these are the good men and these are the bad men and you want to be a, a good, good guy kind of thing. But, you know, I suppose in reality, it's, it's usually a lot more complicated than that. And, and perhaps, you know, there are ways in which all of us are in different ways and, you know, varying degrees implicated in, in um, systems of inequality, uh, such as patriarchy and, and men's mm-hmm. violence against women. And, and, um, and you know, how, how, what are the ways in which all of us might be um, complicit in that and, and privileged by that to varying degrees? Um, because I think, you know, by reflecting on that, that really helps mm-hmm. to then uh, kind of sh- shine a light on, okay, well, what are the things I need to do to, to change and to create change in, in society more, more broadly? Um, yeah. I suppose just the other thing I just I just make sure to highlight as well is that I think in this work, um, you know, again, a lot of the research shows it's really important to adopt a kind of intersectional approach. Mm. Um, so, you know, not just to kind of talk about men and boys as if they're, as if they're this one monolithic um, group, because, of course, there's a huge variety among men and boys and some have a lot more power than others. Um, so I suppose uh, in that respect, I suppose that's important to take into account in terms of trying to tailor the message that's being going to. Uh, shared with men and boys in that respect to make sure it is actually relevant and to their lives um because of course you know there are many men and boys who experience also forms of marginalization and oppression themselves based on racism or capitalism or whatever and so talking to them about power and privilege you know obviously you have to do that in a way which makes sense to them and is is relevant to their life yeah what would that look like what would uh any what would be an example of relevant engagement for one subsection of you know that that group which is men and boys just so you know we have a clearer picture yeah that's a very good question (laughs) Uh, i mean i mean i suppose maybe um well like for example uh i think probably one of the areas in which i mean obviously education is one area which is i suppose you know that's where most of these efforts have been concentrated for understandable reasons because um you know you're learning about all sorts of things and therefore this is a great space in which you can learn as well about issues of violence and abuse and 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 gender inequality. Um, and so, for example, you know, in recent years, we've seen um, universities starting, some, you know, universities in the UK starting to take these issues on board more. And, and you know, they've been challenged um, to do that. And, and I suppose that it's happened as a result of kind of activism and campaigning by students and staff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so yeah, we've got some really interesting work being done by, by groups like the Good Lad Initiative um, on some university campuses in the UK. I think maybe like, um, and so that's really important, but I suppose um, maybe traditionally uh, in, you know, a lot of uh, men who have been speaking out in this area, you know, certainly including myself, are men from quite privileged backgrounds, mm. um, you know, in terms of being white and middle class and, um, and being, you know, from the UK and stuff like that. Um, and so I suppose, um, you know, I suppose it's important to think about, well, how is that going to look like then if I'm speaking to a, a group of you know, young men in a more like working class uh, neighborhood, for example, you know, are they going to relate to the things I'm talking about in terms of, um, you know, having kind of power in society and and things like that. So I I just think, you know, whatever context you're in, it's just really important to take those factors into account and to try and adopt an intersectional approach. And I suppose perhaps, you know, if men do have themselves, if they have experiences of oppression um, based on class, for example, you know, how can they then relate that to um, the oppression, forms of oppression a marginalization that, that women experience and I suppose build kind of shared solidarity on that on that basis mm, yeah when you were talking earlier I did think who is it that's doing the engaging 
you know uh, because it it made me think of when i was at university and again very privileged as well uh, and i used to constantly get into these debates and arguments with men about Mm. the gender wage gap or uh, mm. you know um me too and victim blaming or like things like that and yeah. you know and i think that's part of why i wanted to start this podcast because the conversations i was having it was just there was so much explaining i felt like i needed to do to to, to show that this is an actual problem and yes. we can actually yeah. tackle it we can actually there mm. things that everyone can do to actually doesn't have to be this bad and so 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 yeah. that does make me wonder who does this engaging uh, you mm. know and what you said about people from relevant backgrounds or like role models mm. from you know if if it's if you're talking about a group of working class boys and mm. ha- having someone that they relate to talking to them might be more effective and uh, and also maybe acknowledging the emotional costs that yeah. it takes to do that engagement work i don't know if i'm making sense here yeah what do you yeah. think yeah yeah absolutely definitely yeah um no i think you're absolutely right to be honest yeah um and i suppose um you know one one um thing to take into account there as well is to kind of encourage men and boys to think about um you know the ways in which uh, there are costs involved in in uh in patriarchy like for men as well and um and the ideas of masculinity you know lead to all sorts of forms of of pain and and suffering for men which are completely you know unnecessary because um you know these ideas are ridiculous and there's there's no reason why we have to conform to them and but we do and that causes all sorts of problems for men uh and i suppose you know that's that is a really important message to get out there because um you know ultimately we're kind of we're losing out in terms of our own kind of humanity and and being uh you know close to our own sense of humanity um in that way as a result of these systems but then i suppose also you know it's important to to then contextualize that and and say that you know that you know men are experiencing pain in these ways but that is within a context in which um it's perpetuating a system which which ultimately gives more power to men than than to women in society so yeah 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 and this in- engaging men is so important for so many reasons what you said about you know patriarchy damaging men as well uh mm. in various ways but mm. also in the feminist movement we need allies <laughs> i mean mm. i feel like if 50% of the population won't be part of it won't be part mm. of the fight then yeah it's going to take you know it's going to be much harder and it's going to take much longer of course mm. i generalize when i say 50% like you said men and boys aren't this monolithic group but yeah, um you know yeah. to to make that point so yeah. i wanted to go on to um the potential problems and risks oh. associated oh. with men's involvement in the struggle against patriarchy i mean we've discussed the merits of it like obviously we need to engage men and boys and it's so important and it's uh we're all going to need to work together to build a better society to build a safer society and to confront the issue that it's mostly men who are perpetrating this violence yeah. um but but there are your research like reading your paper i found that there's also risk that uh, you know movements with men leading this fight so what are these i mean how do we get around mm. them yeah yeah it's it's a great question um yeah and i suppose um Well I I suppose the first thing I would say is that like um that it's 
uh, of course, you know, I mean, you know, I am really supportive of this work. I think it's absolutely vital and, and, and we need to be doing a lot more of it um, for all the reasons which you've just highlighted. Um, but I suppose it's important to do that in ways which are kind of, uh, which are quite, you know, sensitive to the kind of the political dynamics which are going on when, when we're doing it um, and, um, and taking those into account and addressing them um, in whatever way that we can. Because I suppose, yeah, like fundamentally, um, you know, if you're involving men in work to, you know, basically dismantle our own kind of power and privilege, you know, that it's quite, there's going to be some kind of contradictions and some tensions there. Um, and so I suppose one main way in which that, that can manifest itself is uh, in terms of, for example, the risk of, um, you know, if men are getting more involved in um, activism to end violence against women, for example, um, you know, are we actually sometimes reproducing some of the gender inequalities in wider society when we're doing that? Um, so, for example, uh, there's a great book um, from the US by Michael Messner and Max Greenberg and Tal Peretz, and, that, and that's kind of that chronicles the um, kind of uh, pro-feminist movement in the US. Um, and so they talk, they have this idea of the pedestal effect. Um, which is talking about how, um, you know, when men do get involved in this area of work, it can kind of, um, they sometimes might be put on a pedestal in some ways. Um, so like their voices might get more attention. They, you know, they might often be, we might be saying exactly the same things which women have been saying for decades, but suddenly it gets lots of attention because you're a man saying it. Um, and, um, and I suppose, you know, there's also the risk then, um, I suppose as well, in terms of if we're thinking in a more organizational sense, a more practical sense that, uh, you know, there is a risk that if we're asking for this work to be funded, um, you know, then is that actually taking money away from from women's organizations? You know, like, uh, I mean, as important as like prevention work is, for example, you know, it's going to be counterproductive if it's taking money away from the frontline services like domestic violence refuges, um, which are obviously absolutely vital to tackle the problem. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, and, and I suppose the, perhaps the ultimate the ultimate risk as well is, of course, that, you know, men might actually um not just kind of because you know i think it's important to you know remember that you can't just kind of let go of like sexist ideas and attitudes and kind of misogynistic thinking and kind of ideas around masculinity you can't just let go of those things overnight right and yeah. and if, what's more you know no matter how much kind of feminist theory you might be engaging with you're still living in a patriarchal society where you're being um where you're being influenced by some of those ideas um so, you know, those can those can come out, I suppose, in various ways, even when men are simultaneously trying to undo those things. Um, and as far as so I suppose that could also mean that, you know, men might actually perpetrate violence and abuse or harassment uh, in this context as well. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, those things are really important to to take into account and to try and counteract in whatever way that we can. Um, yeah. And I suppose just also, I think another um, potential risk, um, which has been highlighted as well in relation to kind of um, uh, you know, if men are more involved in efforts to end men's violence against women, then, you know, is that actually going to potentially depoliticize um, some of the kind of feminist work, which has been obviously leading the way um, in that area for, for decades? Like, is it going to de-radicalize, is it? Um, you know, but, you know, is the involvement of men just going to kind of force the message to be watered down a little bit in order to try mm-hmm. and, um, you know, so I suppose, yeah, on the one hand, it's like we want to appeal to men, but at the same time, in, in trying to do that, is there a risk then that, that the message we're getting out there about uh, men's violence and how that's connected to patriarchy and how that's a deeply political issue is that you know going to be toned down a bit and what what implications does that have for that for that movement um in terms of actually creating the kind of you know the the level of social change which is needed i suppose um and i suppose even more even as well i suppose there's a risk that could it even delegitimize the idea 
um, of, of like women's movements. You know, if you're saying, yeah. oh, well, men, men always need to be involved in these discussions um, and, uh, you know, engaging men is so important. Is that kind of taking, um, is that, yeah, watering down the idea that actually kind of women leading um, movements against violence um, and, and these being actually women's movements, um, is that kind of delegitimizing that idea a little bit as well? So, you know, I, I, I don't think these, these, like, these problems are kind of inevitable, um, but I think that there is a kind of inherent contradictions and tensions because of that kind of idea that you're, you're getting a dominant group involved in trying to undo their own dominance. Like, you know, mm. so I think it's just really important to, to take that into account and to, to try and kind of find um, ways of addressing those things in the process of doing that, this work. Yeah. Yeah, this, this, especially the pedestal effect, mm. which is this, uh, you know, what you said about one group or men in this case receiving more attention when they talk about women's violence. It yeah. reminds me a lot about uh, India. And, you know, mm. in India, we see uh, these Bollywood celebrities, movie stars are yeah. coming out and talking about, you know, uh, mm-hmm. violence against women. And uh, a lot of yeah. these women, I find the message so watered down like it's yeah. they're trying to be so politically correct <laughs> in that they're trying really hard to say oh yeah we need to fight against men violence against women but at the same time it can't be but at the same time not all men do it which is i think a good yeah. message but that not all men doing it receives so mm. much you know that's like yeah. highlighted yeah. so much mm. uh, to the point that it becomes about the not all men bit yeah, you know yeah so so it it does make me a bit worry mm. about how what this is going to look like um yeah yeah and I, I suppose that goes back to what i was um what i was saying before in terms of trying to find a, a balance because like um on the one hand yeah it's really important to kind of uh, yeah to have to give a positive message to men and uh as a you know what, some, what why would it be a positive thing for them to get involved in doing this kind of work and, and activism but i suppose at the same time it shouldn't in in the process of trying to do that it shouldn't just be about reassuring men because ultimately you know men need to to change we we need to change in ourselves and in wider society in men's place in society um in order for anything to actually to to change in terms of ending uh violence and abuse and so i suppose you know it's important to kind of um to remember that and and therefore yeah for example just trying to reassure men the whole time you're like we know not all men are violent that's not I don't think that's actually going to necessarily help lead to the kind of um, kind of change which is which is needed. And so I suppose that's also why I think this idea of complicity is really valuable. Because yeah, okay, of course, not not every man it might necessarily enact yeah. violence and abuse in his life, but we're probably all in one way or another implicated in sexism and misogyny. Um, if you you know if you look back at your your life as a whole and um, and you know we're all quite contradictory. And and you know we might you know on the one hand we might support feminist ideas but on the other hand we are still being influenced by a kind of wider sexist society so so i think yeah it's important not to um not to forget that and not to become so kind of focused on trying to reassure men um (laughs) about what you know about um their role in all this actually we lose the the challenge which is actually necessary in order to create change i guess yeah it's it's a hard place to get to you know acknowledging your own fault in the scheme of things i mean even if you haven't act actively done the done the flowing but you're still it's just a function of who you are and the place you occupy in society and then moving on from that to you know i want to do something positive about this yeah and 
I I can do something positive. So yeah, it's mm. it's a tough act to get to, but I yeah. I do. I mean, I think this is this is giving me a really good chance to to rant about this because <laughs> I find it so troubling to see that message of you know, mm. especially like female public figures who are speaking out about violence against women, and I imagine that their messages are coming from these PR teams who yeah. are you know crafting these. release statements and they yes. don't want to get trolled for what they're saying mm. and uh, yeah. you know and and they want to do the right thing and they want to stand mm. up for what's what's right but they also mm. don't want to offend which is i i don't yeah. envy them i mean it's a hard yeah, position definitely. but also mm. you know not very <laughs> effective i don't think personally yeah yeah definitely yeah and i suppose that's always a bit of a tension isn't it it's like how can you if we if we're trying to take these ideas more into kind of basically if you're trying to trying to reach out to as many people as possible how can you get the balance right between a message which actually people are going to listen to and you know people aren't just going to switch off from yeah. um on the one hand um whilst on the other hand actually making sure that actually you know that that message is has got the politic and the kind of radical message about social change and and patriarchy which is ultimately necessary in order to to actually create uh yeah social change i suppose yeah and i mean why i've signposted only women public figures in that indian context is because men don't talk about it i mean maybe yeah. they just yeah. don't or won't talk about it uh, most yeah. of them so so yeah. you know the, yes the only person the, the only response we get are from yeah. women who who feel like yes. they they're the only ones who can talk about it because men just yeah. won't so yes. And I suppose that that then contributes to some of these problems, right? Because yes. because so few men do speak out about these things. When when you know the odd man does, that then then does get a lot of attention, yeah. and that man probably gets more more recognition. And you know, I think this is certainly an issue in academia, for example, mm. uh, as well. You know, uh, the, there are so few men speaking out about this stuff that when when those men do, it, it, you, it, maybe there is a bit of that pedestal effect going on, um, and that's a real problem because obviously we want more men and boys in, involved, and that's a really good thing to be celebrated, but. If we celebrate that too much, then it's the whole idea, I suppose, of like giving men cookies for doing very little, basically. Um, so I suppose maybe that would base that problem would be solved. Actually, basically, the more men that do start speaking out about this, you know, it, that will become normalized, and that wouldn't be so exceptional that it would actually get so much attention in the first place. Pat. Yeah, mm. absolutely. And uh, I mean, th- this is just reminding me of what happened in India when Me Too broke in India. and yeah. it was basically centered around the film industry and the corporate mm. sector and media but primarily the film industry where most yeah. of the report uh, you know most most women spoke out about violence and you know mm. what received the most mainstream attention and there was this yeah. male actor really one mm. of the biggest male actors in india and his production company decided to stop working with men who had been accused and this right. man goes on to this very famous talk show and yeah. Uh, hosted by another man and you know the mm. host is saying that you're the one who basically broke me to in india <laughs> you know yeah yeah yes not not all the women who 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 spoke out or who shared these yeah. very very traumatic experiences at yeah. great personal cost but the mm. the one man who just decided not to work with uh with those accused so i think that that sort of that example just completely yes. highlighted the issue for me there yeah and i suppose then like in that case i think men have a responsibility you know if if we we are involved in this kind of work to kind of make sure that to challenge that if that yes. is happening you know and to say well actually like you know i i'm just one person there's like thousands of women who are actually have already been 
speaking out about their own experiences of violence abuse for decades and why aren't you listening to them? And, and I suppose also maybe, you know, if, if we do have platforms, then to try and use those to also elevate, elevate women's voices and, and experiences. And, um, and I because going back to your earlier question in terms of how to, how to engage more men, you know, if, just if I think about my own experience, you know, it, it was ultimately kind of reading about and hearing and learning about kind of women's experiences within patriarchy and, and women making sense of that, that, that had that, that huge impact on me. So I suppose the more that we can get men and boys to listen to those um, voices and experiences, that, that I think that's crucial to, to creating change, really. Yes. Um, and I think I also want to say that we have moved on from this idea that men are inherently violent or all men rape mm. like mm. this was an idea that was maybe present during the 1970s or 80s but in sexual violence academia as far as i understand this is really not something that is a popularly held belief at all yeah yeah i mean it's a really good point i mean i i suppose this connects back to the um to the complicity point in a sense that maybe you know i i think that you know this idea that um yeah, like the concept of like all men are rapists and stuff. I, you know, in some ways, I feel like that is quite a, a powerful message in terms of just getting men to think, you know, all men, not just those men who who are actually themselves directly perpetrating sexual violence or domestic violence or, or other forms of violence and abuse, but just getting all men to think about the power that we have and, and the privileges we have. And I suppose women, like what, what the ways in which we kind of replicate that and, and reproduce that, um, you know, even if it is through very kind of small but ultimately quite influential things in our peer groups like condoning sexist behavior or misogynistic behavior and not challenging um, victim blaming ideas for example but I suppose on the other hand like yeah I mean it's, we certainly need to kind of challenge the idea and I think it does still come up sometimes so maybe you know it's not within an academic context but, but within well actually having said that I think it still does unfortunately in some academic context but this idea that like um, you know men are inherently violent and that's that is how it because I think that is ultimately used as an excuse to explain away men's violence you know and actually this is something which i have encountered in my own research is that that is sometimes used um in terms of trying to justify or you know uh, well i I don't know if that's necessarily always the motivation or not but i think that's the inevitable effect is by saying that oh you know like to some extent men are kind of you know inherently more aggressive or um or violent or dominating or controlling or whatever you know when 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 actually there isn't really any scientific basis for that anyway um but it also does ultimately have that effect of saying, well, therefore, you know, this violence is inevitable. Therefore, kind of it's providing a bit of an excuse. And it's also yeah. saying, well, there's not really anything we can do about it. Right. It's just always going to happen. So I think it's really important to challenge that as well and to try and um, encourage people to move beyond that, that way of thinking. Because, you know, we men are just as capable um, of engaging in caring behaviors for one another and for family members and for our yeah. friends and, and for people in society. And as I said earlier, you know, we're really losing out currently by not, um, you know, kind of engaging in those kind of behaviours. We're losing out on so much kind of, you know, human interaction and, and kind of um, and meaningful kind of kind of engagement with, with other people in our lives because um, because we're encouraged not to uh, kind of develop those kind of caring and um, behaviours. And I suppose being having a better understanding of our own emotions as well and our, the different relationships we have with different people. Um, and how those things are really valuable and important. Um, so I think, you know, it's, it's a tragedy, really, you know, for, you know, if you think about, you know, men, with so many men being, you know, cutting ourselves off from these things in order to, because we feel like we have to conform to these ideas of masculinity that, that men shouldn't be emotional or men mm-hmm. shouldn't be caring or, you know, it's not really men's responsibility to look after children or, or parents or whoever. Um, 
So I think, yeah, that's something which really um, needs to be you know, uh, challenged. Mm, yeah, and I think that is a really good place to go on to talk about supporting male victims because there, mm. there are men who are assaulted and who are victimized mm. and who, who who are survivors of sexual violence yeah. and other forms of violence mm. or survivors of domestic violence and really all sorts of violence like i said so yeah. what do we know about services supporting yes. male victims yeah yeah so i mean in the uk um there are some services working in this area you know doing some really good work so for example the men's advice line which is run by respect um that's like a great helpline for um for men who you know think they might be experiencing domestic abuse mm-hmm. for example um no, you know no matter who the perpetrator is whatever their gender is um so that's that's one example of a of a really good service in this area. Um, I mean, I think it's, it is important to highlight that there isn't enough support available currently for, for men who are victims of different forms of violence and abuse in the UK. But then, you know, that is actually, unfortunately, that's something which is true for all victims and survivors, you know, for, for certainly for women as well, as, as we know. So, you know, I think whilst it is important to recognise there isn't, aren't enough services available for men, that isn't certainly something which is exclusive to men at all um, because of austerity and I suppose just because society continues to underprioritize. Um, different forms of, of violence and abuse in society, really. Um, and so I suppose also, yeah, with that in mind, you know, whilst it's vital that there is more support, which is kind of developed and put in place for men who are um, victims of different forms of violence, um, you know, that can't come at the expense of services for women either. And um, so we need a lot more um, investment in this kind of work in general in, in society, I think. Um, and also with that in mind, um, I think it's really important to challenge this idea that, you know, it's different services or programs working in this area whether that is prevention programs or uh, frontline services you know this idea that they should just be kind of gender neutral and they should just kind of respond to anybody in the same way and they should be available to anybody in the same way regardless of their gender um, or sexuality Um, because actually you know there are specific factors which do affect um, different people in different ways Um, so you know there are you there are kind of in some ways I suppose when men um, are victimized they will ha- go through similar things to, mm. to women for example but uh, in other ways um, there might be some unique kind of gendered issues there as well so um, as, as you kind of highlighted in your question like um, some of these ideas and expectations which we have around masculinity can be a real obstacle for men um, in terms of trying to uh, understand experiences of violence and abuse that they may have uh, and to seek help for them you know I mean I think a, a lot of men continue to find it really difficult to accept or recognize or open up about their own vulnerabilities whatever they may be um and so that could be experiences of abuse in their lives for example um and um and to, to yeah to, to therefore kind of um to then take the step of, of seeking help can can be really difficult as a result and of course it's really mm-hmm. difficult for all victims and survivors of abuse to to seek help for their experiences but yeah, there are these unique gendered factors going on there so i think it is really important for services to take the, that into account and um and to do whatever they can to help um uh, to help uh, kind of help kind of victims and survivors to move to move beyond those, I suppose, in order for them to actually be able to get the help they need. Um, and I suppose just the other thing I'd just highlight as well is that you know I do think it is important that that the wider context of gender inequality is always being factored in as well. Um, so of course, on the one hand, there are you know a, a lot of men who are victims of different forms of violence and abuse, but at the same time, of course, the majority of Victims, certainly when we're talking about uh, sexual violence and other intimate forms of violence, such as domestic abuse, are women and girls. Um, but I suppose at the same time, you know, if we're thinking about patriarchy as a, as a system, you know, I think that that does actually create a, a 
really violent society, um, you know, of course, works differently in different contexts, but ultimately creates a violent society for, for all of us in society. Um, uh, and, and, for example, can help to foster unhealthy and abusive relationships, n- and not only in a kind of heterosexual context and not only in the context of men's violence against women, but that can uh, help to kind of shape other forms of violence as well and, and forms of violence which men um, can be victims of as well. You know, whether that's men, and often, of course, men are the perpetrators of that violence against men, not always. But, um, but yeah, so I think, I think the feminist theories in this area have a huge amount of relevance as well when we're talking about men who are victim survivors as well. Mm-hmm. That's, that's really important to highlight. So this can't be easy work. You're looking at male violence against women and you're also looking at how to engage men in that fight to end male violence against women so 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 is this emotionally draining for you and how do you balance your emotional well-being with your work yeah yeah that's a great question um i mean first of all i'd say it would be a lot easier uh, if we weren't facing the current global situation that that doesn't make it any easier in terms of uh, people having to quarantine and whatnot <laughs> um but yeah that's obviously just just one issue but um i mean first of all i'd say you know my work does focus mainly on prevention so I'm quite, I suppose, lucky in that respect that, you know, I'm not I'm not researching, uh, generally speaking, like actual cases of of violence and abuse and, and the consequences that has. But of course, nevertheless, it, it's yeah, it's hugely um, draining and and challenging in lots of ways to, to do work in this area. Um, and, but I suppose for me, like I think in terms of like managing my own emotional well-being and stuff like for me, I suppose I do that by by doing this work, because, you know, I think like the more awareness you get about um, inequality in society and all the different forms of injustice we have and the pervasiveness of um, men's violence against women and other forms of violence in society, um, you know, that's that's something which is really difficult to kind of learn about and to be constantly confronted with on a day-to-day basis. Um, and obviously, uh, you know, as a man, I'm much less likely to experience a lot of those forms of violence um, Anyway, but but still, that's uh, well. I suppose in, on the other hand, then as a man, you're also coming to terms with the fact that you know you're actually potentially complicit in these these systems as well, and and you know you're actually potentially gaining some forms of, of power and privilege as a result of them. So you know, I think it is really important to recognise that, that that can be quite painful yeah. and, and difficult at times. Um, but I suppose I suppose the only way for me to try and deal with that is by actually doing whatever I can to try and counter it uh, and contribute towards efforts to to end violence in society. Um, and I suppose also like you know just the importance of finding um, kind of other people like communities where of support and solidarity um, in whatever way that you can as well. Like you know I think that's something which makes a huge difference for me. Like mm. so at Durham we have something called the Centre for Research into Violence and Abuse, and, and that plays a hugely supportive role. For myself and I think for lots of um, for lots of us doing research in this area at Durham, for example. So, like, yeah, I would say that for anybody um, working in this area, like the more that you can um, uh, kind of find other people doing work in this area, that can be hugely valuable um, for sure. Um, and I suppose just in, I'd also emphasize, you know, that uh, obviously this isn't like the primary purpose of feminism at all. But like as a man, I think it is something which is actually the more you engage with feminism, it can be hugely mm-hmm. like liberating in lots of ways, like in terms of realizing that actually, yeah, like all these ideas around being a man and stuff are completely nonsensical. And, and there's no reason why I actually have to conform to those and actually, you, you know, allowing yourself to kind of to move away from those kind of pressures. And of course, you know, you can't completely do that. Those pressures are always there. But but um, yeah, that's that is a really kind of um, uh, liberating thing. And I suppose it also gives you a sense of hope that like, 
you know, change is possible in society. Like we, we, we've seen change happen and it's, it is happening. Um, and, and there are, you know, huge numbers of people um, in, in my own society and across the world who are like fighting to create change like every single day, really, you know, um, and often obviously in, in really, really difficult circumstances. So, so yeah, I suppose for me, that's, that's how I kind of, um, that's how I navigate that really. <laughs> mm, yeah. I mean, it's, it's so uplifting to hear that, to, you know, to hear that hope mm. and uh, to hear that solidarity can be so helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. Definitely. Which is amazing. Yeah. Um, so what what message do you have for everyone listening? I recently found out that 55% of listeners are male. All right. Which is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and uh, yeah, I didn't expect that because uh, <laughs> I genuinely thought it's just my friends listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, I've been, I've been listening. So that's, yeah, that's one person. <laughs> <laughs> thank you thank you uh yeah it really warmed my heart and so so what do you what, what do you want to say to those listeners about how they can do something do their own bit towards ending sexual violence and ending male violence to, yeah. uh, towards women i mean both for everyone listening but especially men i would say yeah yeah well i suppose um like for me i would say that it's just really important first of all perhaps to kind of reflect honestly on like our own attitudes and behaviors and to think about you know what are the ways in which I've been influenced by um you know ideas in society like if so if you know if we are if I'm talking specifically about men here for example like how uh how do ideas about what it means to be a man how have they in fact impacted on me in various ways and perhaps shaped my behavior in in ways which could be harmful to myself or to other people around me um, and I suppose, how am I affected by gender inequality? Um, you know, how, how might I be implicated in, in that system? Like, what are the ways in which I may benefit from it? Um, what are the ways? And, and I, because I think, you know, once, we, once you reflect on those things, then it does start to become clearer, okay, what are the things that I can actually do? You know, what are the ways in which I can change in myself? And um, what are the ways in which I can create change in my, in, among my friends, among my peer groups? Um, in my family, uh, in my workplace, in, in the organizations that I'm part of, and I suppose in wider society as well, in terms of like political change. Uh, I mean, ultimately, you know, we need change at all of those different levels if we're going to seriously work towards ending, you know, men's violence against women. Um, yeah. And so I suppose, um, and I suppose, yeah, like what are also, what are the ways in which by doing that, actually, I will, you know, move closer to actually my own sense of humanity, really. Um, because as I say, I think at the moment, a lot of us are being cut off from that because of the way that society encourages us to think and behave and so yeah I think for me it's just really valuable to to remember and to try to think about how you know none of us are like separate from these issues right that like no matter how much how many kind of how much feminist theory you might engage with no matter how many books you may read or whatever you know you're still all of us are still implicated and in in connected to these systems like every single day um uh, so yeah no matter how long you've been involved in this work as a man for example um that we're still being shaped by these kind of wider social um, systems and structures. Um, and therefore, I suppose that also means that there's so many things we could each be doing from, you know, everyday kind of small acts in terms of challenging instances of sexism and misogyny, for example, in your peer groups, mm. um, to creating change in a, on a broader level um, in terms of politics um, and policy, for example, um, that we could be doing. Um, and I suppose, yeah, I just highlight as well that like, you know, on that basis, it, this is a kind of ongoing, unending process for myself and and for anyone involved in this work. I guess you know it's not something you can ever kind of reach uh, a conclusion to, or as I say, like you can't um, 
you kind of, you know, it's not that you just cross the Rubicon at a certain point into becoming a kind of a pro-feminist man or whatever. Um, it's a constant kind of effort. But I think that's really important for ourselves uh, as individuals. And of course, for wider society, really, in terms of creating a more, more just society and more, more peaceful society. So basically reflect and also do things like calling out sexism and misogyny when you see them absolutely. in your daily life. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Like as a starting point. Yeah. And, you know, because I, I mean, the, people often dismiss those kind of everyday things as being insignificant. But of course, when you start to piece together how, how frequent those, those um, everyday instances of sexism and misogyny are in in all of our lives you know i think it's um you know you can quite quickly think about how there are there are lots of actual examples of that in my day-to-day life you start to realize okay this is actually how patriarchy is continuing to be reproduced in my everyday life and in society as a whole um so i think yeah once you start reflecting on that stuff you start to realize that okay there are yeah there are really things i could be doing every day um Mm. And of course, that's not easy, you know, and I'm not saying, you, you know, nobody, it's, it's, it's really hard to think, okay, like every single day, how could I be, uh, how can I challenge these things when it is so kind of, um, you know, so pervasive. Um, but I suppose, yeah, we, that's why I say, you know, it's, it's, all, it's a work in progress for all of us. And uh, I suppose it's really important to, to continue working at that and to do whatever we can to contribute to creating positive change. Mm, yeah yeah and and it is a system you, you like you said you you're using the word systems and because in when we see isolated incidents we don't really think that it it's 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 a, it's a systemic thing yeah but like you said when you piece it together it emerges mm. we it becomes clearer to see that it, it is structurally part of society Absolutely. you know and the, the fact that sexual violence is allowed to happen and then yeah perpetrators are given the shielding that yeah. they are from 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 you know justice and yeah, exactly. every part of the process is very very systemic so yeah. we need to break that system Absolutely. down definitely yeah yeah i mean just to, if, if i just add one quick example like um in, in one piece of research i was doing like um we were talking about this was with a group of men talking about this mm-hmm. idea that like um uh, you, you know when somebody might say oh like you throw like a girl or something and and somebody was making the argument that like oh well you know okay it's it's it might be a bit sexist or whatever but it's just like this one throwaway comment what harm does it cause um, and I suppose the point is that actually yeah when you start connecting together um, and you know I, I mean feminists have been arguing this for decades that if you start drawing the connections between all of these different instances of sexism in in our everyday lives which are suggesting that men are in some way superior to women um, you start to see how how it is that we continue to have you know violence against women being so pervasive in society really yeah so so starting off from those kind of um those relatively small scale incidents in our every or yeah incidents is the wrong word but those those moments in our everyday lives is mm-hmm. is, is a crucial starting point yeah 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 and that's why we need people like you to be doing the work that you are doing you know the academics like you who are investigating these things and telling us about your very important research so thank you so much for your work and thank you for speaking to me i'm really excited to share this conversation and uh... well well thank you for your podcast i mean i think it's fun you know what you're doing with this podcast is fantastic and getting these ideas out there to more people so so i think yeah we we should definitely share it as widely as possible (laughs) thank you so much That was Stephen Burrell and we spoke about engaging men in ending men's violence against women. What did you think of this episode? And I hope you're staying safe. I hope you're staying indoors wherever you're listening this from. 
we're in the middle of a global crisis at the moment as i'm sure you already know i mean every single conversation is about the pandemic and the main thing is that we all stay at home if it's possible and stay safe and keep each other safe so i'm going to be posting these episodes every week please keep listening if you're able to and let me know what you think of them let me know if you want me to focus on a particular topic and please give me feedback that's the only way i can improve but i'm really grateful to everyone listening it keeps me going thank you so much i am asmita and this is talking research <laughs>